You know, you can't help but make the connection today with the text that we're looking at about those who have given their lives for the freedom that we have today. And I'll remind you today, we honor them. But when we honor them, we honor the one who has given us life and the one who sacrificed it all. And I want to remind you today, while we are worshiping, while I am preaching, while, I, while we're singing and celebrating, somebody's fighting for our freedom right now and we better never forget it. They are. That's right, they are. So what a day not to just get involved in barbecues and celebrations and all the stuff that the world throws at us, but be grateful, as Bill said. Be thankful, be mindful, holy, worthy. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. Um, That sounds like a good title for the message, but I already gave them one. It's called Walk It Out and Light It Up Today in Ephesians chapter 5. If you're a guest today, we're so glad you're here. We have many people that travel on this day, but we have other people that have families that travel to see them here at Sagemont. So if you're a guest today, we're so glad you're here. We love you at Sagemont. We want to just present to you Jesus and Jesus alone. We're not about fluff and fanfare, we're about Jesus Christ, and he is center stage, and when we lift him up, he said he'd draw all men to himself. So that's what we're about at Sagemont. We're just about preaching and teaching the love of Christ. We want to walk it out, and we want to light it up, and that's what our text is today. Your Bible should fall over, or you should fall over when you turn to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 14. We've just been traveling through this great book. And remember, Paul's been talking to us about identity. And identity leads to activity. What kind of activity does it lead to? It, it, it leads to belief, which changes our behavior. That's what Paul's been talking about. So we're going to talk about walking it out in love that we talked about last week and lighting it up. That's what Paul is talking about in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 14. Let me just remind you of a couple of things before we jump in, because I'll forget this. Uh, v- Vacation Bible School, VBS, June 7 through 10. Uh, Last week, I wore my shirt. Uh, My wife is in the process of washing it. I sweat so much, so I'll probably wear it next week too. But it's uh, if you want to sign up to serve, if you're a member, please see the people outside in the hall there in the area. I don't even know what we call that, the mall area. And then also, if you have a child or a grandchild that you want to be a part, you can go online. You can also register them today in the children's area. So that'll be a great thing. Second thing is, for those of you that have trusted Christ as your Savior, we have baptism at the cross on June 2nd. That's next weekend at about 7.30. It's in your bulletin. If you want to be baptized, if you've trusted Christ, you would like to be baptized at the cross, at the end of the service, you can go into the Connection Center and you can sign up with John Mark or you can drop the card that's in front of you. Uh, Don't drop the card. You can take the card, fill it out, right? I've trusted Christ as my Savior or I want to be baptized and someone will follow up with you. But that is next weekend and it's going to be hot and blistering in Houston, Texas and humid. So here we go. Now don't miss this text because Paul is going to talk about something that's so important. When I was in uh, Kansas and I was, there's a lot of snakes in Kansas and I've seen people post a lot of snakes here in this dry weather. So I was sitting on the back porch sipping my coffee and all of a sudden I see this snake start coming toward me at the porch. And at first I kind of did a double take and I said, that can't be. And it was just moving like this and moving like this. And then it literally, this is not ministerially speaking, this is a true story. It stuck its head up about its body and its head, and it went like this, and it kind of flattened out on me like this. And my wife was just about to come out onto the porch, and I said, this is what I said, 
get the dog, turn around, and go in. She knew what that meant. I'm serious. I play a lot, and I'm funny and all that, but listen, this was serious business. So she did. And so all I knew was it was a snake. I didn't know what kind of snake it was, but it was a snake. And you know, when this thing went up like this and flatlined, I thought maybe someone from Africa dropped one of those cobras off here, and it's hit my floor. So all of a sudden, I told my wife, I got this. I got this thing. And as soon as she went in, I ran and got my neighbor, like a little girl. And I ran and got my neighbor, and he said, man, and this snake, well, actually, backing it up, my wife went and got a water, we had this water gun, it was, I guess it's a weapon, we had this water gun, and she just shot this water gun at the snake as it's doing this like this, and that snake turned around and started moving out of our yard, and I said, not so quick, big boy, and that's when she went in, and I went to get my neighbor. We killed the snake, he, no, he killed the snake, I need to correct that, he killed the snake, and he said, I don't know what it is, so he came from behind with a shovel, and he killed the snake, and it was just one of those things, it was just one bloody mess, and so after it was over with, I began to Google, and I began to look at the snake, and I took a picture of it, and I began to Google the snake, and I realized it wasn't a cobra, and in fact, these snakes don't even bite. They, the reason that they get killed is because they look so venomous and they look so wicked. And so I didn't have enough information to be able to make a good call. And so what happens a lot of times in our lives is we don't have enough information to make an intelligent call on a situation and sometimes it's too late either for us or for something else or for someone else or for the poor snake. Yes, we had a funeral, we buried that puppy, it was over with. But what I want to say to you, we come up with very poor conclusions because we lack information. And in the text that Paul is talking about today, Walk it out and light it up. If you don't stay carefully with the text, you're going to come up with a poor conclusion. And it's not because of bad information, because the text speaks for itself. Now, let's go right through these words and see what Paul is saying, because he's talking about walking it out in love. So uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. Let's start there. You remember last week we came out of... You know, don't get involved in greed and sexual immorality and all of those things. And then Paul says, now walk it out. We've been walking it out in love, so we walk it out in the truth of God's love, and now we're walking it out because we are children of the light. Notice what he says here. It's the little words that you have to circle. For you, for is a transition word, a preposition, for you were once darkness. Notice he didn't say you were once in darkness. He says you were once darkness. And what that means is we lived in the realm of darkness. We, we didn't have any hope. We didn't need a little touch-up paint. We needed the touch of somebody who had light to move us out of the darkness because we weren't, the text says, you weren't in darkness. He says that's who you were. So if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ is your Savior, you're in darkness. You need the lights to come on. And that's what Paul is saying here. You were once darkness, not in darkness, not located in darkness. You were darkness. That characterized our life apart from Jesus Christ. And then he said, and that's past tense. And then he says, but, that's a transition word, always says, I always say, the butts of the Bible, they're turned great hinges of great truths on the butts of the Bible. So, uh, but now, he says, but now you are emphatic, you are light 
in the Lord. So what Paul is saying here is this is who you used to be, but this is how you are now. So you have to look at the relocation of life, where you used to be, past tense, to where you are, present tense, and because the truth of who you are in the present tense outweighs the past tense, this is really what is true of you. This is your identity, and now your identity is walked out in behavior. That's why we're different. That's why we don't promote religion around here. Because if religion is your identity, you're just going to walk out a religion of works trying to gain God's favor until you understand that you can't do enough to be accepted by him. You have to accept the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross so you can have a new identity which is now walked out in a new behavior and that new behavior is a changed life. Did you get that? That's what Paul's saying here. This is an incredible verse. This is one that is so intense here in the verbiage. And so he says, you were once darkness, but now you're light, emphatic, in the Lord. This is who you are now. And then he says, walk as children of the light. So let's talk about what happens. When we are born, we're born in sin. And so what God does is he shines the light of his truth into our lives. Into the darkness of our lives, he shines the light of his truth. So he illuminates that truth into our life, not so that we can receive information about Jesus, so that we can experience a transformation from Jesus. Do you understand what Paul's saying here? It's not about just the illumination of the light in our lives. It's that illumination leads to transformation. So he shows us who we are so that he can change who we are. See, if you're here this morning and Jesus is going to show you who you are, and if you've never been transformed by his grace, he wants to show you who you are so you can come to the end of yourself so that he can change who you are and you can receive the free gift of salvation that can only come in him so that therefore you can walk as a child of the light. That's what Paul is saying here. There was a story about a man in India. He had trained this covey of quail. He went to a a, a market And he was going to sell this covey of quail. And he had trained this covey of quail. Each of the quail, he had tied a little string to their uh, back legs. And so he had put a stake in the ground and a ring that had these quail on it with the strings all around it. And so he trained these quail to walk in a circle. And so he brought these quail that walked in a circle to the market. And when he brought the quail to the market, his intention was to sell the quail. So he made a deal. The gentleman that bought the quail said, cut the string. I I want them to go free now. So he cut the string on the quail, and the quail flew about 20 feet from where he sold the quail. And when the quail went 20 feet away, they had the strings cut loose, but they began to move in a circle because he had trained them in a circle. Now listen to me very carefully. Jesus Christ has cut the string off of our lives so that we can go free and we have been released by the power of his grace. He has transformed us, but there are a lot of Christians that are still going around in a circle with the strings of bondage connected to them when they're really free. They don't think their identity has changed, but it has changed. See what Paul's saying? 
we move from darkness to light. We move from, I may have used this illustration, when Clyde Drexler played for the Portland Trailblazers, he called it a city of darkness. This is his own words, because they never could make the playoffs. They could hardly make the playoffs, much less get to the second round. But then he had an opportunity to take the uniform of the Portland Trailblazers off and put the uniform of the Houston Rockets on. And he moved from, oh right, Portland, from darkness to light so that he could be changed and win a championship, right? So that's what Paul's saying here. Uh, You'll never forget this message. You don't need a prop like two sticks of boards going together. You don't need that. Now, (laughs) so that's what he says. So Jesus changes who we are as the basis for changing how we live. So our identity is not based on our behavior, listen carefully, but our behavior is now based on our identity. And because our identity is now children of the light, we walk that out in activity. And another way of saying that is being living proof of a loving God to a what? That's it. There you go. That's verse eight. We're not done for the day. Stay with me. Verse nine. Here's what the text says. So Paul's talking about children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit, you could translate that for the fruit of light. You could say the same thing. For this light, the, being a child of the light, for the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness, is all righteousness, and truth. That's what Paul says. So there's kind of like a prism of light here. It's goodness, it's righteousness, and truth. So what in reality, what Jesus did is he shined his goodness into our life He shined his righteousness into our life, and he shined his truth into our life. And we were not of uh, the truth, and we were not of righteousness, and we didn't have any good in us because we had sin in us. So we exchanged that which Jesus wanted to give us, and we threw away the old stuff. That's what Paul's saying here, because the fruit of the Spirit is goodness, righteousness, and truth. So it's kind of like a prism of light. Three things here. I remember one time we were on a cruise and we took one of these excursions that had a, a, a the boat had a, uh, was all glass at the bottom. And, and so we went on this tour and, and there was this light, the sun rays were coming through and hitting the water and hitting these beautiful fish. And there was just a prism of light that went across that ocean bay and it was a beautiful thing. So when you think about it, there's no goodness in us, there's no righteousness in us, and there's no truth in us. But when Jesus shines the prism of his light, we We are now good because he is good, right? He's made us good in him. And we're now righteous because he is righteous. So positionally, when I trust Christ as my Savior, I used to be unrighteous. Uh, My life was as filthy rags, as the Scripture says, but now I have the righteousness of Christ. So I have his goodness because he's good. I have his righteousness because he's righteous. And I have his truth because that's all Jesus is, is truth. You see, he's the embodiment of truth and grace. So that's what Paul is saying. You'll hear people say, well, you don't really need to know the truth. Well, just whatever you believe is the truth. Listen, the truth has always just been the truth. And the truth is God's word. The truth is when Jesus shines his light on me and shines his light on you, and we realize we just need to bow before him. We don't have truth in us. We lie, we cheat, we steal. We have lustful thoughts, and Jesus has paid for that all. So it's this prism of light that he shines in our life. That's what verse 9 says. When I think about the men and women 
who have fought for our freedom, I think of goodness, I think of righteousness, and I think of truth. I think of how they uh, were able to do the things they were able to do because they were standing for the truth, the truth of freedom. And if the Son has set you free, you're free indeed. So you can make this connection to Memorial Day very easily. Now look at what the text says. Look what Paul says. Let's go a little further. And then he says, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Verse 10, just finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Let me tell you what's acceptable to the Lord. Goodness, righteousness, it's right there in verse nine, and truth. That's what's acceptable. That's who Jesus is. He's good, he's righteous, and he's true. The only thing that's acceptable to him is what is true of him. And what is true of him is now true of me because he has made me a child of the light. I no longer live in darkness. So I'm righteous even though I may not always live out my identity with my behavior. But that doesn't change the fact that I am righteous. I have all truth living in me. So when I tell a lie, that's not really who I am. I am really a truthful person because all truth lives in me. So what is acceptable in verse 10 is that which characterizes who Jesus Christ is in your life. Wouldn't you love to have the light of Christ come into your heart today and change not only who you are, but change the way you live? If you've never experienced the transforming power of Jesus Christ, all you have to do is by faith Receive him today and say, Jesus, I bow before you on this Memorial Day. I hear about the men and women who have sacrificed, but you have turned the light bulb on for me today to know that you have sacrificed your life for me. And I want to know what forgiveness, I want to know what cleansing is. It's in Jesus Christ. Paul's been telling us that through the whole book. Now here's what he says. Because you are light, Here's what he says, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Notice what he says here, and notice what he doesn't say here. He doesn't say expose the people, because a lot of Christians get mad and angry, and they carry placards, and they beat people over the head, and they're beating the people up over a message that's actually true and right. Paul says, don't expose the people. What you expose is the works of the people that are unfruitful. That's what you expose. Because we love people because Christ loves us. So we speak the truth, but he says, have no fellowship with the works, not with the people. We have to reach people by being with people. So if you're never with any sinners, how are you going to reach sinners? How are you going to be a child of the light? No, it says abstain from being a part of their works, but it's not the people that are the problem, it's the activity. The people's problem is their heart is wrong. And so you don't, do you remember Westboro Baptist Church? They used to protest everything back in the day. And there's, whatever it is they did, that's fine for them. But it actually wasn't fine. It wasn't good. But what, what they were saying was, we are so adamant about this, and they were attacking people. Listen, we never attack people, but we speak the truth in love, and we expose the darkness and the unfruitful works of men. Now, you don't have to ask me where I stand on abortion. Because we're a church that's not going to tell you everything that we're against. We believe that if we tell you what we're for, you'll know what we're against. A lot of people, we're against this. and Boy, I tell you what, we're against that and let's go protest this. Listen, 
we're for this book and everything in this book that is God's word. And so we stand for life. We stand for the authority of scripture. We believe every single word in this book. We don't hesitate in saying that we believe the authority is the scripture. It's not in me. It's the scripture. If I don't teach you the scripture, then you can get rid of me because you need to go with God's word. If you listen or give any money to anybody on TV that doesn't speak the truth of God's word, you're wasting your money and your time. Because God's word is true. It's God's word. It's not man's word that has the authority. It's God's word. And Paul says we expose that. Now the word expose means to make visible. Let me see if I can explain it like this. When I was a student pastor here, there were some campers that got lost at Brownwood, Texas. This goes way back to Buddy Fortenberry. Listen, camp was, uh, I mean, it was like $50 for the week. We had a rat pack group, man. We slept on the floor. We navigated through snakes. It was all kinds of things. But, but what happened is some campers decided to sneak out of the dorm at night. And we had this golf cart. Buddy had this golf cart. And we had golf cart lights on the golf cart. So we hear these kids running in the, it, it's, it's kind of a fence line. And there's cactus. And we know what's fixing to happen. God bless the little campers when they decide to do their own thing, the sinful little rats. That's what they do. And so I thought, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to take the spotlight. We had the big old spotlight, you know, the one that you buy at a cat and big old spotlight, you know. And we flipped that spotlight on after we heard the voices. And sure enough, those kids ran into the cactus and, and that light exposed the darkness, the sinful little rats. They did. And they, you know, we sent them home. I don't know. I don't remember what all we did. But that's the idea of exposing. So when you shine the light, Paul says you shine the light on the activities that people are doing that are sinful. But you love the people. And so the idea was in verse 11, Paul says, and have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. The light will shine on sinful people around us. The reason that we want our light to shine on sinful people around us is because Jesus can show them that they're not truthful and they're not righteous and they're not good. So as he shines the light in us and through us, it touches them and it gives them a need for a savior. It shows them that they can't get there by themselves either. They need Jesus in their life. So when we shine the light, we're kind of being a conduit of his grace and his mercy. And as, as, as we're unpacking the unfruitful works here, God is saying, hey, listen, what you really need to do is bow before me. Your neighbor, your friend needs to bow before me. So that's the idea of exposing. That's what he says here in the text. So people are trapped in sin and he says, expose them. Then he, look at verse 12. For it is shameful. For it is shameful, the text says. By the way, pretty soon, I'm just gonna have a towel that just lays right here. Because this thing just gets ringing wet. I go into the hospitality room and I shake hands with people and I'm full on like I've been in the shower. So uh, we're going to get a towel. And when I make a point that's like, when I think that God need, you need to hear the point, I'm just going to rub that, that right here. We're going to make sure we get this thing. Okay, now that's enough of that. Okay, here we go. Now watch what the text says. For it is shameful. Now you might think, oh, you're not supposed to speak up. Oh yeah, we are. Here's, For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. 
What Paul's not saying is you just live your life and you never speak the truth. That's not what he's saying here. He's talking about having conversations like we talked about last week. Remember he talked about the coarse gestures and the language. So we don't get involved in that kind of atmosphere. But what he says here, if you'll go to verse 13, this is the one I want to spend a little time on. But all things that are exposed, okay, we shine the light because God has shown his light in our life and we shine the light, are made manifest. The word manifest means to make visible by the light for whatever makes manifest is light. Now, so God spoke the world into existence and one of the things he did is one of the first things he did is he said, let there be what? Light. So, God didn't have to have a conversation with light and say, you know, I'm fixing to speak. And he didn't have to call light by his side and say, you know, light, get ready because I don't want to have to call you twice. I'm going to pay you a buck a day or a buck an hour and so you'll get 12 hours and it's the same thing I'm going to pay night. So when I call you light, you make sure you come. Listen, Jesus was all light. He exists in eternal light. Nobody turns Jesus on and nobody turns him off. So when Jesus said, let there be light, that's eternal light. He existed before time began. And so when Paul says all things are exposed and made manifest by the light he's talking about Jesus is the light he's the embodiment of embodiment of light so God spoke and so when God spoke he defined what light was and then he divided light out he defined it he said let there be light and then he divided the night from the day there's always a definition of light and then a division of light. Light has a distinction, but light has a separation. You know what Paul is saying? That's who you are now in Jesus Christ. You, you've been defined as the light, not that you're the light, but the light lives in you. So all light lives in you, so now that is the definition of who you are. You're a follower of Jesus. You're a Christian now. Now, that definition should divide you from the world. You don't live in darkness anymore. You don't act like them anymore. And not only that, Jesus gives you the distinction of being a child of God and therefore there's separation in your life and there's separation in my life. That's what Paul's saying here. He's saying all things are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Do you see what he's saying here? So God spoke, he defines and he divides and he gives distinction. Let me see if I can bring it to you like this. Satan's hand is just a hand. So when you were born, you were born in sin and you were born in darkness. And so you were over here and Satan's hand is just a hand. However, you were born with your hand in Satan's hand. God over here has a big hand. So what happened in salvation is God took his mighty hand and he put it in your little hand and he snatched you out of darkness and brought you with his big hand over into his big family and he says, now you're different in your light now. Now, not only did he snatch us out of the devil's hand by grace through faith when we trusted him, but he has blessed us beyond measure by putting us in this new family because now my definition and my design is to do the will of God. I am a child of the light. I have been made uh, manifest by the light for whatever makes manifest, verse 13, is light. That's what Paul is saying here. He's saying he has stepped into your life. And we've heard this all of our lives. Well, you know what? You better straighten up. You better start doing better. 
You better not have that happen to you again. Don't do that again. Can I tell you something about salvation? That's not salvation. Salvation is not cleaning up your life, not getting your act together, not trying to clean yourself up and clean your mess up. You just bow before him, mess and all, and God says, perfect people don't need me, but people who are broken, they understand that I can bless a mess. So what God does through Jesus Christ is he takes the chains off of our sin and our life of bondage, and he sets us free where the string has been cut from the covey of quail so that we can be all that God wants us to be. We are a church that is about Jesus, and that's just that simple. You say, give me something else. I can't. It's him plus nothing equals everything. That's who it is. So, by the way, if you want to trust him today, this would be a great day on Memorial Day. Not only have men and women fought for your freedom, but the Son of God paid the ultimate price so that you could have your sins forgiven today. Let me come to the end of this. So, here's what Paul says. Verse 14. Here's what he says. Therefore, he says, Awake, you sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Look at the text. Awake you sleep. Who needs awakening? Those who are dead. Those who are dead in their trespasses and sins. Those who are sleeping spiritually need to be awakened. Awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you life. You can't have a savior if you don't have sin. So we know we have sin, so therefore the savior has come to awake us from our sleep so we can arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. He gives you his life, which is light. So now light lives in you and light lives in me. So when we operate in this world now, we don't operate as children of darkness. We operate as a child of the light who has been awoken from the sleep and awoken from the dead so that now Christ can shine on our life. And so it's important to understand what he's talking about. And Christ will give you light. You can't get light from any other source but Jesus Christ. He is the source of light. Now, you may see reflective light in different places, but there's only one source of light. Let me see if I can explain it and close with this. And close means nothing, by the way. (laughs) No, we're getting out early today. We are. We're good. So, So, somebody has a patent that as you drive in the middle of the night, there are reflectors on both sides of the road. Because somebody did not come up with a source of light. Listen carefully. Someone was already using the source of light and realized, I don't have to discover electricity. I don't have to discover light. All I have to do is make something that reflects the light that's already there. And so on roads and bridges and bicycles, we see reflectors everywhere. If I would have discovered the patent on duct tape, and you would have discovered this on reflectors, we wouldn't be here today. So God knew in his humor not to do any of that for us because it would ruin us. We know that. But what I want you to understand is the only person who is the source of light is the crucified Son of God. He is the source of light. So when he died on the cross and we received the forgiveness of sins into our heart, 
And we say, Jesus, thank you for the sacrifice of men and women, but they could not take away my sin. You, not only did you sacrifice your life, but you had the power to forgive me. And when you come into my life, I'm not the source of light. I'm just a reflector of the light. Do you see it? That's what Paul's saying. So we just reflect the light. We just say, Jesus, use me. And when the light comes in my life, when Jesus comes into your life, then you and I are just reflectors. Remember that every time you're on the road, every time that you see those reflectors, remember, oh, that's who I am now. Because what you want to make sure you do, if we just live a life as children of the light, everybody thinks it's going to be credit to us. Listen carefully. But if we live the light, the life that Jesus wants us to live in the light, and we speak the truth, then all the glory goes to him and all the credit goes to him. And no one will be confused where the light came from. It didn't come from us. We didn't initiate it. We are just a recipient of the grace of God. And by his grace, we just reflect light around here. That's all we do. Now, as I close, if you're here and you've never received the light of Jesus into your heart, what are you waiting for? Man, he's got all forgiveness. If your life this morning has not been transformed by the gospel, by the power of Jesus who saves people today, then you can receive the forgiveness of sins. All you have to do is say, yes, Jesus, come into my heart. Change my life so that I can be a reflector of light and a recipient of your grace. Would you pray with me this morning? Would you just bow your head where you are? It's a weekend to reflect. It's a weekend to remember. And we are grateful for men and women who did pay the ultimate price. We honor them today. We thank you for their sacrifice. But Lord Jesus Christ, there is no sacrifice without the ultimate sacrifice of you going to the cross as the source of all light. And now you dying on that cross and you being buried in the grave and you rose on the third day that we might experience not only light, but resurrection, transforming power in our day-to-day life. And that is all a gift of grace. So I pray for anybody, God, in this room, that needs to receive the free gift of salvation. If you're here and this is, this is something you desire, God is speaking to your heart about taking out the darkness and putting in his beautiful light. Would you just say a prayer like this? Say, dear Jesus, the best way I know how, I just ask you to do a miracle in my life. Forgive me of my sin. All this darkness, all this stuff in my life that misses the mark, would you today remove it and take out the old and put in the new? Put your light in my life so that I can now shine for your glory and for your good. Father, I pray that you would take this message and you would help us to continue to walk it out and light it up. In fact, It's how we live Monday through Saturday that really tells if our identity and our behavior has been changed. It's not what we do on Sunday. It's how we treat people with goodness 
and how we treat people in love and passion. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.